0: Amen, amen. At this time, we'd like to have our children come on up for our children's moment and invite Pastor Joe.
1: Little children. All right. How y'all doing? All right, I'm excited about today's. A uh, little children's message. All right. Isn't it cool like when your dad is famous, like people know him? So here's like an example. Like Abraham was probably one of the most famous dads in all the Bible. <clears throat> and at one point, Abraham didn't have a son. And they were trying to make sure that Abraham had a son. And so God said, I'm going to give you a son. His name would be Isaac. And your son is going to inherit everything that you have. And it wasn't just money and houses. It was this relationship that Abraham had with God. They were close friends. Okay, so let me tell you about my dad and why my dad is famous. Not many people know this, all right? Did you guys know that my dad was a very famous fighter pilot? It's a true story. He was one of the top fighter pilots in the Air Force in a war called Vietnam, and he was really good. So when I was young, I was like about five or six years old, we went to like this party, this reunion of all the different fighter pilots around, right? And my dad was like, like a celebrity. He was like famous. Everybody said, oh, Bo. My dad's name was Bo. How are you doing? Man, it's been great. Good to see you again. And they would talk about all the things he did as a fighter pilot. He was like really brave and really good. And they'd say, who is this? And you'd go, this is my son, Joey. They called me Joey back then. You can call me Joey, but none of them can ever call me Joey. You can call me (laughs) Joey. So, I said, this is my son, Joey, and, and, the, and the, all the people who knew who my dad was as this famous jet pilot, they said, Joey, are you proud of your dad? And I said, I sure am. And that I was the only kid in that whole party, and I got treated so good. Like, everybody loved talking to me because my dad was famous. He was a famous fighter pilot. And because of that, I was able to kind of get an advantage of all the things about my dad that people love. And so with that in mind, I want to share with you something else about another dad. Here's what's interesting about me and my dad. My dad didn't choose to make me his son. God gave me to him, just like Isaac was given to Abraham. But I have another really famous dad. It's Heavenly Dad. And unlike my earthly dad, my heavenly dad actually picked me and made me his son. And there's a Bible verse I want to read in Romans 8. It's great. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God and we are heirs of God, and we are fellow heirs with Jesus. In other words, because we're children of God, we get all the benefits of being God's child. So just like I was in that party with my dad, my my famous dad, my famous jet fighter dad, and everybody said, oh man, you must be really proud of your dad. That was cool, but now I have my heavenly dad who chose me, and my heavenly dad is even more famous than my jet fighter dad. And my heavenly dad picked me and said, I'm gonna make you an heir with me. So as I kind of close, what I want you guys to understand is this. When you have your earthly dad, there are a lot of cool things about having your earthly dad love you. It's really neat, and you get a lot of benefits from that, but there's even more benefits for the fact that you are children of heavenly dad, and he picked you, and he loves you, and the Bible says you get a lot of benefits from being heavenly dad's kids. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly dad, we're so thankful that you make us your children. We're thankful that you make us joint heirs with you. Thank you, God, that we will inherit a bunch of cool stuff because you're our father. And I just pray that as we leave here today after this children's message and during the worship service that we would remember our dad is really famous and we get a lot of benefits because of it. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys very much.
2: Pass the ball to pass the ball When you leave, you get a basketball. From the Garden Team to the Grace Life Team. Slam dunk it, brother. All right, thank you.
1: Should I hold the basketball? There's going to be extra activity on U.S. 41, <laughs> a.k.a.
2: the highway to heaven. Uh-huh. Uh, so the garden team
1: is sending you all their prayers. Prayers should probably be for the other motorists, but that's okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's cute. That's adorable.
3: <laughs> we also have a Starbucks gift card. Don't know how much is on it. There might be. There might not be anything in it,
4: but use it to keep you awake. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Love you too. For now, yeah. So, welcome to Church of the Palms. As you can see, it is a very special, bittersweet day for us as Joe is going to be launching his new church at Grace Life. So we have a few things planned still for this morning, but I do have a couple of announcements that I wanted to make. If you picked up a bulletin, and on page, um, I can't see these little numbers. It looks like it's right in the middle. On 4 and 5, you will find all of the different classes that are offered on Sunday morning from 10:15 to 11, as well as the Wednesday night hero effect, which I hear was just awesome last week. So you can check that out um, on Wednesday nights. Today, they are in the parking lot collecting blood, so give the gift of life if you're able to do so. And big, big shout-out for Family Promise. Sign up under the tree. You know that's what we do for our homeless families, and we need all kinds of different things. You could spend the night one night. You could bring in a meal. You could help set up. Lots and lots of ideas. Sign up under the tree. And... I think those were all of those announcements. Um, right before service started, um, Steve Cox came up to me and asked if we would say a very special prayer for his son's mother-in-law, and her name is Linda Jones. So if you would write down Linda Jones and keep her and her whole family in your prayers She had a heart attack in the middle of the night and the whole family is reeling and trying to figure out what they can do in this really scary time. So if you would, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we come together this day as your family of faith and we all lift up our prayers of strength and healing for Linda. Give her family courage, give her family faith and hope that you hold her just lovingly in the palm of your hands. Lord, do what you do best. Be present in that family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now if you would stand up and greet your neighbor. (laughs)
3: And <laughs> you know, like,
0: singing. Blessed be your name.
2: You give and take away. We still bless your name, Lord. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm it desert place go along through the wilderness blessed be your name every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise when the darkness closes in Lord still I will say blessed be the name of the Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name, when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your on the road walks with suffering, but there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing. Every blessing you pour out, turn back to praise when the dark.
0: It's always easy to bless his name when times are going well but even in our daily life we we are still called to bless his name even when things are taken from us or even when when things are going so well we still bless his name because there's always a reason there's always a purpose for why he does what he does in our lives he worked through us in mysterious ways
2: now near temptations lose their power
0: you to worship in your giving this morning whether it be donating into our food pantry or with your money we have our bags next to us on the row if you could please grab that pass it down the ushers will come forward and collect them Father please be with us today as we prepare our hearts for your word be with Pastor Joe as we send him off to his exciting uh, church plant be with that, that launch date and, and uh, just be there as, as, as they plant seeds in a whole different area be with us as a church help us to remember that though we may have different services we are still one church and we're all here to glorify you Be with Lori as she gives us your word, and all these things we ask in your name. Amen.
4: Amen. Chris, I forgot an announcement earlier, too, that if any of you are interested in helping to lead worship, whether vocally or with instruments, um, contact Chris. His information is in the bulletin. So as you know, last week we started the narrative lectionary. Which means that as a church family, both here and in the sanctuary, we are beginning in Genesis and working our way through the entire Bible to hear God's story and how it might be woven into our own story. Do I need to do this? Thank you. So, every week... We have a list of daily Bible verses to read that helps us to get into the Word each day and to hear what God might have to say to each of us. So it's in your bulletin, and remember, it's also where you do your name tag, so you can take a quick picture of it with your phone so you can be reading your Scripture all week long. Last Saturday, we started at the be- Sunday. <laughs> Last Sunday, we started at the beginning and we learned about the two creation stories that the Israelites told so that they could understand who God is and who they are in relationship to God and perhaps why they, why we, wander from God and from God's lifeline for us. We learned that we are created both as divine spark and from dirt. Ultimately, we learned that we have this God-sized hole that can only be filled with, well, God. We were made for that. If you missed last week and you want to catch up, you can go to our website and listen to the podcast. So we get to camp out in Genesis for about three weeks. But before we read the scripture lesson, I want to have a brief conversation with you about fear. Not the fire and brimstone kind, just the ordinary, real-life, real-people kind of fear. And I've asked several of you as you were coming in this morning to write on a piece of paper anonymously what you were afraid of. And here's what you said. All right. Missing God's will for my life, the elimination of jobs. I had to edit this one a little bit. The election. Public speaking. I wrote that one. No, I didn't. (laughs) Heights. ISIS. Running out of time. A bee in my truck. (laughs) (laughs) Failure. A family member getting hurt or dying. Loneliness. Starting a new church. I just made that last one up because it helps us to segue to another kind of fear, and that is when we step out in faith to follow God's call. It can be risky and even scary to follow God sometimes. As you know, our friend Pastor Joe is on the brink of launching a brand new church called Grace Life. He senses a call from God to take this next step of faith to reach even more people for Christ. Well, guess what? I bet there have been some moments when he's been a little bit afraid, even though he knows that God is calling him in this direction. And if he hasn't been afraid yet, I bet there will be some times when he will. How about you? Has God called you in a way that scares you just a little bit? Have you wondered about going on a mission trip? Even scarier, have you wondered about going on a mission trip with students? (laughs) Or is there a neighbor or a friend that you've wanted to invite to church, but you're afraid that they might say no? Or worse yet, that they might talk about you or laugh about you behind your back? Has God whispered to you to give something up so that you can just be in a season of rest? Or do you sense that God wants you to take something new on? Has God grabbed a hold of you and invited you to begin living in a different way? Does this stuff scare you? Heck yeah, life is scary. I want to have a life of meaning and purpose. I want to have a life to really matter on some level to someone before it's all over. And I want to hear God's call in my life Because I believe that it is in that relationship with God where we will truly, truly experience abundant life in spite of our circumstances around us. So we know we are all created with God-sized holes wanting to be in relationship with God. And we also know from experience that we often try to fill this hole with material things. We know that life can be hard and that we can be so very afraid sometimes. So let's see what God has to say to us about our fear through one small piece of Abram's story in Genesis. I asked Linda Lehman to read our scripture passage for us today. This part of Abram's story comes from Genesis 15, and it's just verses 1 through 6. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, that would be great. Good
3: morning. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, "O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir but the word of the Lord came to him this man shall not be your heir no one but your very own issue shall be your heir he brought him outside and said look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them then he said to him so shall your descendants be and he believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness.
4: Thank you. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you have a word for each one of us here this day. Help us to hear your word in the, vo- in the word that was just read and the word that is yet to come. Amen. So we begin this passage with a message from God to Abram. See, Abram hasn't had his name changed to Abraham yet. And he says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your protection. Your reward is going to be very, very great. I thought of this father of our faith, this great hero, Abram, turned Abraham. And the first thing I thought was, what is he so afraid of? If you read your daily readings from this past week, you learned that Cain murdered Abel, Noah built a boat to save a small portion of humanity, and that God confused the language in the Tower of Babel to promote God's plan for diversity throughout the world. Then God called Abram and his wife to leave their family and country to venture into a brand new undisclosed land when Abram was like, 75 years old. Imagine you are 75 years old. Easier for some of us than others, I know. Don't you think you would be sort of settled by then? I can't imagine that that would be the season for risk-taking. Maybe we're golfing a bit, or playing some tennis and some cards like Euchre, Pinochle. Egyptian rat slap, taking sunrise beaches on the walk. You know, you can't do sunset anymore because you can't see well enough to drive at night. (laughs) Volunteering here and there, having nieces and nephews on Tuesdays, tutoring on Thursdays, family dinners on Sundays, certainly not uprooting everything and everyone you know to go to a land that God will show you. This is as crazy as building a boat for years before the first raindrop fell in anticipation for a flood. Yet Abram left everything on a promise. Now that's some kind of faith. Was he scared? It Sounds like it. But he still went. Back in chapter 13 of Genesis, God tells Abram that, I will make your offspring like dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. I will give you this, so many generations of kids that you can't even count them all, and I will give you land. Kids and land. God says, rise up, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, all that you can see, every single bit of it, I will give to you. So Abram trusted God's promises, and he went So, when we catch up with Abram in chapter 15, he's actually now sitting with a decent pot of money, rich in livestock, silver, and gold, and he has lots and lots of land, but he's still afraid. God has not delivered on all of God's promises, kids and land. Not just a normal family of kids, but the blessing of being the father of a great nation, generation upon generation of offspring. Not only is Abraham lacking a child, but there's no realistic hope that he's ever going to have one. Remember, he is old. I know that Michael Douglas fathered a child when he was like 59 years old, but his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones, was only 34. Ew. At this point, Abram is in his late 70s, but so is his wife. Land is, of course, a great reward and a great blessing, but it is never meant for just one generation. Its value is in passing it on to your children. And then children had an even bigger role in ancient cultures. Make no mistake, infertility is an excruciating experience. Longing for a child and not being able to have one is one of life's greatest sorrows. But in the ancient world, fertility was made even worse by the fact that children were your insurance policy for being cared for when you're too old to take care of yourself. This is a dark and difficult time for Abram and Sarai. Her name hasn't been changed to Sarah yet either. They look foolish because they trusted God. They have shame from being childless. And they have no one to care for them in their old age. It is from this dark place that Abram cries out to God. Man, you promised. You said I would have children. And instead, I have no one but a slave to leave my inheritance to. You promised. And what does God say to him? Look up. And believe. God takes Abram out on a clear night and says to him, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them all. The God who created the universe reassured Abram that this same God will fulfill his promise, and Abram will have descendants as many as the stars in the sky. God used this sign to reassure Abram that God will keep God's promises. And he does. Spoiler alert, in Matthew 1 we read, an account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. But guess what? They don't still have Isaac for like another 15 years or so. After they would gazed at the stars, there was more waiting, more doubting, and even more hardship for them. So don't think that God just uses these perfect, always get everything they want right when they want it and always do everything right kind of people. God seems to favor us earthier misfits, a little more dirt than divine spark. And know, too, that doubting is okay. At least if we're lamenting to God and sharing our fears and our doubts and our questions we're still in conversation with God. So often, we give God the silent treatment, and instead of coming to Him with all of that junk that we carry, Anne Lamott wrote this I have a lot of faith, but I'm also afraid a lot and have no real certainty about anything. I remember something Father Tom had told me that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. Certainty is missing the point entirely. Faith includes noticing the mess, the emptiness, and discomfort, and letting it be there until some light returns. My experience is that light often takes the form of a casserole from a friend. Do you know I heard this story just this last week between two of my favorite women in church. They were standing in my kitchen following a dinner to learn more about how they could get involved in student ministry. One of them had lost her 10-year-old son about 10 years ago, and she said, I met Nancy when she brought a salad over to my house when my son died. I still remember that delicious salad. I was kind of blown away by this. I'm like, Nancy, you brought this wonderful salad over, and you didn't even know her? And she smiled, and she said, yeah, you know, I heard about this horrible loss in church, and I knew that I had to do something the mom who lost her son said, actually, I remember all of these people from church who I had never met before, they would slip in with food, leave a blessing, and then slip out again. So if you are in a dark place of losing someone that you love, illness, job insecurity, broken relationships, addiction, or once again, you fill in the blank. Then borrow God's sign for Abram and step outside of your tent and look up to a starry night to get a better perspective on who is in control and who makes all things new and alive again. And believe that God keeps his promises. And you know what God promises us? God has promised that nothing, neither death, nor life, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from his love. And God has promised to be at work in ways that we cannot see or fathom to bring healing and restoration to the brokenness of the world and of our own lives. That is God's promise. And that's the faith that we are called to have just like our ancestors had. But how do we have faith when our circumstances can sometimes be so stinky. I'd like to name three ways. First, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 4, and he writes about this incident. Abraham grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he has promised. So faith is like a muscle or a skill that can become stronger with use. As we practice faith, we become more faithful. Second, Nadia Boltz-Weber would say that faith is a team sport. Faith is given in sufficient quantities for a community. We are meant to do faith in community because we are too messed up to be able to do it just on our own. To be in community, community means that we have to show up, take some time to listen, hold each other's hands, and make room for someone's story, even if they aren't ready to share it yet. We all know that everyone, every single one of us, has a story, and it impacts how we act and interact with each other. We are called to make space, to provide a safe place for them to land, even if we don't know why they act the way they do. For example, do you recognize this painting by Vincent van Gogh? It's called The Starry Night. It was painted in 1889. It's probably van Gogh's most famous painting. You know, the one thing we know about van Gogh is that he sliced off his own ear. What we maybe don't know is that he battled depression for most of his life, and that this masterpiece, which is probably worth close to $100 million, was painted as he gazed through the window of an asylum. You see, he went there for respite from his emotional suffering. Who could imagine that such a genius, who created such beautiful works of art, could have such deep suffering? In our faith community, we have to hold the space for the hurting people who aren't quite ready to share their story. And third, Michael Yaconelli would argue that we need to have childlike faith. In his book, Dangerous Wonder, he tells the story of a friend of his who was vacationing with her husband in Hawaii, celebrating their 10-year wedding anniversary. This friend was fiercely independent and was very successful in the business world. She had overcome a lot of obstacles, all on her own, without anybody's help or advice. So one afternoon she and her husband were laying out and they were getting really just hot from the sun and she decided to jump into the ocean to cool off. Now since she'd spent most of the day snorkeling, she left her mask and her flippers on the shore and she just jumped in the ocean for a few minutes. But she got distracted by some like really cool fish and so she was following them and swimming around and she looked up and all of a sudden, she was a really long, long way away from the shore. She hadn't realized it, but she got caught in a riptide. No matter how hard she swam, she kept going farther and farther away from the shore. But because of her determination, she swam even harder. She would not give up. She knew she could beat this riptide with just her sheer determination. But as her strength began to give out, she finally realized that she was in danger of drowning. Drowning happened to other people, not to her but she had never, ever experienced the complete and total exhaustion that she was feeling at that time. In desperation, she frantically began waving her arms and tried to scream. Luckily, a a lifeguard happened to see her, and he got to her just in time. She lost control of her bowel movements, and when they dragged her up to the shore, she couldn't move. It was almost an hour before she had enough strength just to sit up. When she relayed this story to Michael Iaconelli, she said, Mike, do you know how hard it is to ask for help? Childlike faith is not for people who need a little help, it is for people who are desperate, who are at the end of their rope. Faith is for those who are not too proud to wave their arms and admit that they are drowning. I would like to encourage you to write Hebrews 11:1 on your bulletin, in your Bible, on your hand. It says this: Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen our faith is not in what our eyes can see our faith is rooted in the hope that god is faithful to god's promises to us and the anchor of that hope is the life death and resurrection of jesus if you want to know how faithful god is then grab a hand because we're in this together And look up to the stars for our reminder that God keeps God's promises. And then look up to the cross and believe. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite my friend Joe to come forward. We have a special presentation for Joe. Come on up here. And I'd also like to invite the garden leadership team to come forward around us at this time as well. Um, As they're making their way up here, um, I just want to say on behalf of Steve McConnell and the entire congregation at Church of the Palms, we want to give Joe not only our blessings and our prayers, but we want to give him some seed money of $10,000 to launch his church mm. Mm. And, to, and to do amazing and great things in the community. It is a dream come true to have this worshiping community in a bar downtown. Who knows who this guy is going to bring into that space and it is just all good and we're so excited. And Jeannie has another presentation.